0: All right. So we are here with Pratyush and Vivek, two of the smartest AI people I know. Um, and um, we are here to talk about uh, their view of where AI is today and where it's going. So, But before we get started, we'd love to for you guys to introduce yourself a little bit. Vivek, you can go first. Yeah. So
1: um, thanks for the introduction. I don't know whether I'm, uh, you know... Uh... The smartest
0: guy person in the room. Don't worry, I'm but, like the yeah. best wingman in the world. So <laughs> I have, that's my job.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think, uh, uh, you know, I've uh, uh, been involved in a lot of the parts of uh, India Stack and, and Aadhaar and, and things like that over the years, building nation-scale systems. And, uh, you know, I've had interest in in working on Indian languages, you know, in the open source and, and actually, building AI for any languages uh, over uh, the past few years, and uh, and I think uh, uh, you know, I think it's certainly and and this whole new kind of uh, Gen AI wave of things has kind of uh, you know as we see the potential of that uh, being something uh, to really change things, and that's 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 really exciting. Awesome, I'm looking forward to double clicking on that.
2: Thank your turn. Uh, Great to meet you, Bala. Uh, Thanks for the invite. Um, Myself, uh, mainly been a researcher, uh, completed a PhD and I've been researching both uh, in corporate research labs and also uh, spent a few years teaching and researching at IIT Madras. I built AI for Bharat that uh, Vivek was a mentor at. We built Indian language AI and now
0: doing some even cooler things. Even cooler things? (laughs) I wonder what that could be. Um, So we hear that um, you're running a stealth mode startup and I know that uh, in talking to stealth mode founders before, uh, either they make you sign a long NDA or they just take you out and shoot you if you start talking about it. So, uh, in the spirit of keeping myself alive, I'm not going to ask you too much about your still stealth mode startup. But um, can you tell us a little bit, uh, you know, about uh, you know whatever you can share? Uh, yeah. Uh, see, we all understand
2: what uh, what happened after ChatGPT came out. We all saw what could be uh, done. Uh, We are broadly framing this as the generative AI opportunity. It's a commonly used word, not only for text generation, but also audio, video, images, and so on. What we want to do uh, is to be able to build a stack that enables companies, uh, NGOs, individuals like you, Bala, who are interested in this space, to actually go and build Gen.AI apps and deploy them. That's all right.
0: PhD for this, because both of you are PhDs, sir.
2: Absolutely not, right? Uh, yeah uh, you don't even need to know programming that that's all for thank uh, god
1: <laughs> excellent do you like anything to add to that no that's it we want to make it accessible right that's the whole thing and we want people to be able to use gen ai benefit from gen ai
0: and and let the whole ecosystem innovate there and that's really what we want to do phenomenal so before we go into the th- to further on to ai uh, i have a basic question okay so uh, you know the tech world has been like hyping up stuff right Two you know 2 years ago crypto was the thing NFT, blockchain, right? And you know, all those things didn't material, uh, finally materially uh, pan out. Um, is this AI thing also one more such hype? I know it's kind of cool. We all love chat, GPT and all, but is there is there more to it? Uh, no, my sense is uh, it is not hype. It's, it's for real. And I think the reasons
2: are interesting, right? Uh, AI, by the way, is something that people would have heard many times in the past as well. There was an AI wave in 2010s uh, when computer vision models got uh, good and so on. What's interesting about this time uh, is that the AI is so accessible for people, even without programming skills, to go build tremendously interesting apps. Uh, So what you can, the coolness factor of what you can do with 30 minutes of hacking is significantly higher, right? So what that means is, as opposed to previous uh, uh, cool things like crypto or even the previous generations of AI, many, many people will build and innovate with AI for problems that they are witnessing. So rather than it being an ivory tower of some particular lab building something, I think the value of this generation of AI would be, everybody, let's say a shopkeeper, let's say a doctor, let's say uh, people trying to give nutrition advice, they should be able to build AI that works for them with the domain knowledge that they have. So I believe this is a tremendous opportunity. Uh, And there's also opportunity to make it uh, actually bring value to people's lives. And maybe we can talk about that later, but so both from a commercial point of view, And from a societal impact point of view, uh, this generation of AI is a tremendous leap. uh, And the only risk that I see is not being ambitious enough to make it real for everybody.
0: Wow. Okay. And I'm sure there's a lot of other entrepreneurs who are listening to this and saying, like, not ambitious enough is not an Indian entrepreneur problem. That's for sure. (laughs) Um, But Vivek, if this was September 2024 and we are sitting here, what would be, like, things would you say, oh, that's, it's so obvious uh, but that is not so obvious right now in September 2023. I mean, so I think, yeah, I, I think that we are actually, I mean, you know, at the very
1: beginning of a long trend. I think that this is a, this is, this is something that uh, I think we're going to see a whole set of new things happening over over the years. I mean, uh, how, what time something would take, you know, of course, that's that's your that's prognostication, but. Wrong It's okay. <laughs> you better than anybody else. No, I, I think I think that uh, I think that that certainly you know kind of how we interact with uh, productivity apps, how we we, we we do things in in personal. I think the Gen AI is going to almost become kind of uh, uh, you know second. Uh, uh, you know, it's it it it, it is you know you, you are going to you're going to have a co-pilot for everything and you are going to leverage uh, you know ai in everything that you that that you do and and you will be much more uh, productive and i think it'll be much easier to do things that uh, i think you know easier to do things with ai that's i think that's that's
0: happening i think in the next um uh, certainly in the next 12 months pratyush anything that anything that's so cool that'll be so cool but we would take for granted is like yeah right now chat when i talk to my son he like rolls his eyes and says, of course, everybody uses ChatGPT, right? Which is like, didn't exist like eight months ago, but now it's like taken for granted. Um, you know, let's say about one year, three years, something in that time frame. what would we like do something which is like, would sound like science fiction right now. But at that time we will say, yeah, obviously. Hmm. Uh, see, the
2: first thing is that, uh, as I say, future is unevenly distributed, right? Um, you would find that there are parts of the economy, the enterprise that will move slowly. I guess your question is more about the bleeding edge. What, what's really possible? We should not forget that in, uh, the society takes a while to change and there will be a long tail of people still doing older things, right? Uh, but to, to your question specifically, right, uh, let's take a, an example. Uh, many of you would know about the Llama series of models. These yep. are models uh, that Facebook or Meta open sourced. Uh, and are probably one of the uh, most accurate open source models. Not completely open source, there are no to that, uh, but these are one of the most accurate models many people are building on top. Uh, what gates innovation in this space is being able to train a model like Lama uh, and then being able to make it better at your domain. I talked about various domains, shopkeepers, doctors, and so on. Uh, what do they need to do to take a general purpose model and make it work for them? Now, these are the gating functions. Today, it costs maybe hundreds of millions of dollars to train something like a llama, uh, to from scratch, which Meta has uh, done, and maybe uh, lots of expertise and lots of dollars to then make it work for your domain, right? My my sense is that the cost for both of this uh, will nosedive, right? Uh, today, How much? Uh, I would imagine something like fine-tuning is a few dollars. Most people should be able to do that on a browser without having to write a single line of code uh, and then build applications for them where most of their creative energy is spent in thinking of how to use these models in writing software 3.0, where these models are a primitive, right? Uh, and so that is what will happen. I think many more people will get onboarded onto that train and you'll see many people building cool applications in their respective domains. So in some sense, what is very aggregated today, right? is ChatGPT and a few AI companies that will get distributed. A lot more people are capable, would be capable of innovating. Uh, and I'm very eager to see that, right, because the effects of that, when there's innovation in all directions, is hard to imagine. Phenomenal. Software 3.0, what do you mean? What is, okay, uh, when you say 3.0, you should say what 1.0 and 2.0. <laughs> I don't uh, software 1.0, think of, uh, I mean, think of IBM days. I never saw those days, but uh, many people do tell me there were punch cards, you wrote code, but but even, let's say, in the early 1990s. say anything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> So basically, you talk a very archaic programming language and tell a program, tell a computer to do something. And it does that deterministically for you. And then you build a whole field of uh, computer science that innovates on that stack, right? Software 2.0 was when you said, let, let's give an example, by the way. So when Gary Kasper was defeated by uh, Deep Blue, Deep Blue, right? Yes, Deep, deep Mind. Deep Blue. So that was just code written of that form that if this happens, then do this. If that happens, do this and so on. That is software 1.0. 2.0 was the era of machine learning where you could drown uh, petabytes of data like click logs, sensor data, images taken on the road, etc., and build models that can help you then decipher things. Does this image contain a cat? Uh, is your sleep pattern becoming worse? And things like that, right? And so that was the era where you wrote a few lines of code and you drowned petabytes of data. Uh, 3.0, I think, looks like you still write code, but instead of talking to a computer, you are talking to a high level, think of it as an assistant, which is able to then use generative AI models, like the Llama model that I talked about, but many other models, models that can generate images, models that can transcribe your speech, so you use these very, very complex things, and you primarily focus on your own business logic, and thereby write short pieces of code, which are tremendously powerful, and when you I trade on code, you're basically doing that in response to what users do with this code and deriving insights and making small changes and the whole thing starts to improve, right? Uh, How you therefore think of these generative AI models as complex but very cool
0: primitives in code defines what software 3.0 is. So for software 3.0, do I need to be a programmer?
2: Uh, See, this is a question of tools, right? So there will be tools that a programmer could use and unlock tremendously complex and interesting patterns. Uh, but in my sense, the 80% of the world, uh, let's say you're a banker, let's say you are a, a nurse in a particular clinic, you might be able to build things for yourself, which doesn't need programming. So definitely we will have programmers and they would play even cooler tricks. But many more of us would be able
0: to work with Software 3.0 directly. So Software 3.0 can be like, you know, software without programmers in some, in some sense. Yes, I mean, it would enable non-programmers to participate significantly. So one of the metaphors that uh, uh, Shankar Marwada, who was co- one of the co-founders of X-Step along with uh, Nandar and Rogini Nilakani, um, so he came up with a very interesting example and he was telling me that, so today there is a world of, you know, there is God, which is the computer, and then there are these high priests who are the programmers, and then there is everybody else, the rest of us. So if we want to talk to God, we have to, you know, talk, you know, pray to the high priest. The high priest then translates to Sanskrit or Latin, to the God, right? And his view was, Hey, with this new world of generative AI, we might not need high priests, right? So everybody can speak directly to God. Would you agree with that metaphor? Uh, I think so. I,
2: I wouldn't talk about uh, the high priest's so zone, but I, I think what he says is, is true in spirit, right? Which is that the knowledge was gated uh, with you having to understand how the, program, uh, co- the computing stack works, right? Uh, what is a computer? What's a programming language which has a specific syntax and so on. What at least large language models do, which are driving the Gen AI uh, wave this time, uh, is enable us to speak in day-to-day language and intentionally program a computer, right? Uh, and intentional programming, by the way, is a technical term that people have been dreaming of uh, from for the last two, three decades. But now is the moment where it is possible to take large language models, which see lots and lots of programming code. They know what code looks like, they understand it, and they understand human knowledge and are able to act as very effective compilers from human intent to what is correct code. Uh, I, sh- I, w- I want to uh, strike the balance there, it's not yet there, right? There are nuances, there are, there are little glitches here and there, and often these can be uh, large enough
0: that production grade code doesn't work. But I think th- it's it's fast improving, and what like we can one do... year later, look, uh, a lot of the audience here will listen to this are looking at where the world is gonna be one year later, three years later, right? Uh, but it looks like we'll get there in the yes. next two, three years. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about the context of India, right? So Vivek Sam Altman said that, you know, hey, India, you guys, you know, don't waste your time in building another model. You know, this has been done, you know, figure out use cases. I mean, I'm loosely paraphrasing, of course. Um, do you agree with that? Uh, what is the, what What should we do here in India? Well, how should we think about AI here in India? No, I see, I think the, uh, the point is
1: that uh, I think the, the, the benefits of generative AI are so significant that we have to play at at, at all layers as far as this is concerned. But does that mean that, uh, you know, uh, we need to build um, uh, another open AI? Maybe. I mean, as, as a nation, maybe we need to do it. But I think that you, can, but you need to understand how all the parts of the stack work. And you may find out that you can actually do maybe 99% of what needs to be done with uh, actually uh, uh, smaller models in in specific domains and that that actually may be the uh, the way that uh, that uh, you know we should leverage these kinds of things in in a a country like india but having said that i think that uh, you know this is in generative ai seems important enough that uh, that you know we must look at it from a uh, you know a strategic perspective as well right so super interesting
0: you touched upon the small versus big models, and I know that's a longer topic. Mm-hmm. And perhaps I would love to get you guys here for another session where we just talk about a little bit more technical aspect of it. Uh, but I want to come back to a, one thing that you touched on, Pratyush, which is the societal impact. Uh, and again, uh, we're talking about in in a country like India, we have you know 1.1 billion people here, right? So how should we all think, and how should how can this impact AI? How wh- what does the future look like in an integrated world where you are convinced, of course, that AI is going to be Part of our future, whether we want it or not. What is a how? How can we envision? You know. Yeah. So uh,
2: just to type this the last two questions together, right? See, I believe there are two large pursuits that we have as humanity right now. One is uh, how do we take these large language models even larger and figure out what the limits are, right? For, for the first time in history, right? This is this is in the history of humanity. We have been able to come up with a hammer that's getting larger and larger and is capable of doing more and more complex tasks just by making it large. That's never been the case. You didn't make hammers larger and build uh, an office, right? (laughs) Um, So this is a very interesting time where the tool getting more complex, you just scaling in in predictable ways is is able to do more. So one of the pursuits for humanity is what is the limit to that? Can we in particular build uh, artificial general intelligence, which is able to do most tasks? I, I think this should animate a reasonable number of people. I think we should have an effort in India that mirrors what people across the globe are doing. The second pursuit, I would say, uh, is to ensure that the benefits of this tremendous disruption of technology reaches everybody, right? Uh, and and the methodology here might be completely different from methodology, methodology there, right? In particular, uh, you may want to build models like Vivek said, which are very small, which are small model, meaning that it's, it's a model that is computationally efficient, it can run uh, very uh, cheaply, uh, for example, be able to provide you advice on your homework uh, at few paise per interaction, right? Um, So, can I build models which are domain-specific? Can I build models in a way that uh, it works very accurately for that particular domain and is uh, cheap, right? Um, And and this this requires two things. One, it requires you to be able to unlock data in those respective domains. For example, we are a very, very diverse country, uh, but we have a standard curriculum that is used by a large fraction of the country. Can we build models that are highly specialized for that curriculum and help the 300 million students who might be in public schools right now, right? Um, this requires us to first unlock data, but also come up with entrepreneurs, engineers, developers who then build applications on top of efficient models on that data that help, uh, students. So a lot of the work there is usability. I have to interact with the student, understand his or her point of view, empathize, do design thinking and build that generative AI application, which is software 3.0, which is 30 lines of code with that model inside it, right? And I think this will lead to a lot of innovation happening. And it's a great opportunity for India to show to the world of how to democratize this technology
0: at price points and in context that are relevant to people. Let me ask you, let me push you on that a little bit. So, you know, if we were to go back to a previous generation, you know, we didn't invent iOS, we didn't invent Android, we didn't invent Gmail, we didn't invent WhatsApp, all of which we are using today. Why not let Silicon Valley do the innovation, and we build sort of higher-level apps, sure, maybe for education or something. But why do we need to invent, uh, you know, reinvent the wheel, so to speak, uh, ourselves? Why not just let them do the work and we'll use it, like we have done with Gmail? Um,
2: yeah. So I, I think both pursuits are significant for a country. Uh, take, for example, semiconductors. Uh, we were behind on that technology and are still behind three decades uh, later because. Uh, there are time constants at play which can take decades to rectify, right? I think we are in a similar moment with this technology. Uh, We should do pursuit number two, which is to democratize the technology, but we should also be significant players in pursuit number one, which is to build uh, the frontier models as they are called, right? Because we have the talent, we have the use cases, uh, we have the resources Uh, as a country that's aspiring to be uh, developing to developed countries soon, right? Uh, we need to realize that this is the bleeding edge of technology where you need to invest. We are investing in 6G, for example, we are building new telecommunication. AI is the next important infrastructure, and we should, for strategic reasons, geopolitical reasons, uh, be part of it. And the last point, uh, more how I think about it, uh, people like me and Vivek and you, Bala, we could have been in the West. uh, But now we are here innovating here, and there are many other Indian scientists, uh, researchers, engineers, who would like to collaborate and contribute to something like this if we had the opportunity here. And
0: if we don't do that, you don't create that magnet to get back the talent and make it happen here. All right, for those of you who are listening, um, please contact these two guys on LinkedIn. Uh, They're look they are looking for talent, um, people like you. Um, last question, so uh, to the listeners out there, there's gonna be a, a general audience of uh, business leaders of various stripes. What should they be doing? Like what should they be doing tomorrow? What should they be doing three months later, six months later? Um, in the because I think everybody has some sense of AI yeah, is real, something is coming, they should do something, right? Um, and I know the exact answer will depend on who they are and resources and all but do you have a broad advice? Like what, what should they be doing? Um,
2: so firstly, uh, don't underestimate what is possible, right? Uh, and you, you might see a variety of things online, uh, all kinds of noise, sometimes it might be uh, hyperbole that it can solve everything, and sometimes people might be skeptical. Uh, my, my input would be not to underestimate. This is a significant delta in terms of technology. Um, and uh, second thing would be to uh, go try it yourself. The interesting thing about this technology is, right from a CEO to to an actual developer, you can actually go and play with ChatGPT and see what is possible. Put in, I mean, ChatGPT or whatever is your favorite uh, model, hopefully real-build models which you would like to play with. Uh, so play with them, uh, try things out, and you will soon realize that if you marry your domain insights with what you're seeing, uh, you'll already be able to see the first steps. And once
1: you see them, I think race and go and build it because things are moving rapidly.
0: Phenomenal. Vivek,
1: anything to add? No, I I think the, the thing, of course, is that things are moving faster and faster. And I think that, uh, you know, sometimes when you see a change, you think, okay, it's going to be a long time before it impacts, you know, what I do. And I think in this particular case, uh, it may come sooner than that, and that's,
0: that's just a <laughs> something that people should think about. <laughs> that's a very good way of putting it. You're looking at the rear view mirror, and think, Oh, it's very far away, but this this vehicle is moving really fast, and yeah. it's a it's a very big truck. Um, anyway, on that note, uh, thank you guys very much. Hopefully, we'll have you back here again uh, once you can tell us a little bit more about what we are doing. Where uh, I'm sure everybody would want to know. Uh, but thank you very much again.
2: Thanks, Vala. Next, next time, next time, we should ask you questions because I know you. You read a lot <laughs> in the states.
0: That's not allowed. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, no, thanks. thanks,
0: thanks, brother.